Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, New York Rangers. We are joined by Thomas Ertz of Blue Shirt Banter. He's one of the managing editors over there. How are you, Tom? Can I call you Tom? I'm doing... Calling you yeah, Tom. Tom is perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. Okay, so let's just um get into it. We're technically previewing two games here today since we've got a home and home with the Rangers this weekend. Um, I kind of want to start off with some trade deadline talk a little bit because one of the things that I find interesting about the Rangers is that they're supposed to be in the middle of a rebuild like they did a big whole show about how they're going to rebuild Um, but they never really seemed to fully commit to the rebuild and then they did this trade deadline thing where they didn't really buy but they also didn't really sell Um, but they're also as we speak kind of in a playoff push so what's how do you feel about what they did at the deadline? And what do you think it means for the team? So the way I interpret the way that they handle business at the deadline is they are very much in a playoff race that I don't think anyone expected to happen. They have had um, they've been playing a lot better um, as of late, eight and ten and eight and two in their last ten games. And the trade deadline for me was it was an interesting time because you have Chris Kreider who was going to be the top asset on the market. And it just seemed that for whatever reason, either they weren't getting the offers they wanted or deep down, they realized they wanted to keep them, which I think is fine. Uh, Six and a half million for seven years. I think the end of that contract may not look great, but for their perspective, it's front loaded. So Maybe they don't really need to worry about years five, six, and seven. Um, The other move was trading Brady Shea, which I think when they made the move to keep Kreider, they realized, well, we're going to have to pay for this in in one shape or another. And moving his five and a quarter for the next four years uh, off the books was one way of doing that. So I think the mode that they're in right now they're really going to take this as far as they can the rest of the year. They have a very young roster, and it's it's good for them to get this experience of being in a playoff race um, with really no expectation of you have to make the playoffs. So if they end up falling short by two points, it'll maybe sting a little bit for the fans, for the players. But in this uh, context of the rebuild, which – They call it a build because it's sort of on the fly type thing Mm -hmm. where they sold at the deadline for two years. They signed Panarin this summer. They made some, you know, trades for like Truba and Adam Fox where they're they're just playing with house money at this point. Okay, so you mentioned that they are eight and two in their last ten, which is obviously impressive um, under any circumstances. Um, but just kind of looking at that stretch of games, it is kind of a mixed bag as far as quality of competition. Um, you beat the the Kings, you beat Columbus, who is struggling with injuries, Winnipeg, who don't have a defense, the Sharks, that are an absolute mess this season, um, lost to the Boston Bruins. Um, what would you say has been going right for the team during this stretch? And do you think that this stretch of games is indicative of the true talent level of the team? So what's interesting about this team is that 
it, it really depends on who you ask. You'll have people that'll just sort of look at this um, this stretch of games and go, oh, you know, all they this is a situation where it is them reacting finally to David Quinn is the second year as a head coach. Um, but one of my favorite followers on Twitter is um, Sean Tierney, uh, charting mm-hmm. hockey. And if you just sort of look at his daily charts of progression, it's been about since January where the Rangers have been trending up, um, whether it's, you know, in, in expected goals, but I'm still not a hundred percent convinced with this team because it's, really carried a lot by their top players, whether it's Panarin, whether it's Zibanejad. Um, it's it's not a situation where you have the collective of the roster all pulling in one direction. And I think we've seen examples of that um, earlier this year. Zibanejad was out for a month um, and, you know, there was there was a bit of a dip. The Rangers were out without Panarin for, for a game. And, you know, you, you could see how different the team looked on the ice. I think that we're going to learn a lot the rest of the way, because in in my estimation, how they finish this season will truly determine um, what moves they make during the summer, because I think they're at a point where based on everything that they've been doing to this point, this summer is going to be like, okay, these are the weaknesses. How can we, we patch them? Because next year, is the year to make the playoffs next year is to be in the position at the trade line where they can say, you know what, we can make a smart ad here so that we can win at least a playoff round um, to sort of push things forward. Okay. Um, so given that this is a home and home, um, kind of, I'm just kind of curious, even though I know it's like a thing that isn't really a thing, but um, have the Rangers played any differently on the road than they have at home. Um, the Flyers have been kind of a terrible road team, very good home team this season. Um, have the Rangers had any kind of pattern like that, or are they a mixed bag like most teams are? I mean, the Rangers this year, they have a better record on the road than they do at home. Um, and it's it's kind of hard for me because they had this sort of weird schedule to start the season where, you know, they played a game and then they were like off for a week. And then um, you had this sort of weird scheduling where it's OK, you're going to play a home game and then you're going to have a road game, you know, like in Carolina. So um, it's I, I wouldn't say that they play any differently away than at home it's to me the only situations where i've seen um is if if say they're playing a back-to-back for example most times this year whoever started game one has started game two where david quinn likes to you know quote unquote ride the hot hand in in Mm -hmm. goal um so it's why I'll be interested to see because the Rangers play, um, you know, Montreal tonight mm-hmm. um, and, and Gorgiev played the last game. He's starting tonight. So I would expect just based on, you know, the fact that Henrik Lundqvist hasn't gotten a lot of work in calendar year 2020 that he would play against the Flyers, um, you know, the first game of the series. But really, there's no telling uh, with this team if, if they're going to, you know, break from uh, what they've been doing this far. How is Lundqvist doing this season? It's it's really interesting based on who you talk to. And you have a lot of 
fans who just say, oh, you know, Hank is, you know, washed or he should just simply um, move his his no move clause and go to uh, another team. And I find that kind of dumb. Um, (laughs) The big story. Yeah, because like. I understand the fans' perspective of like, well, we have like these two incredibly young goalies, and whether it's Igor Shishyarkin, who's who's out right now, uh, or you know Alexander Gargiev, but like Hank has held his own. Uh, he's been very valuable for them. Whether you're looking at you know goals saved above uh, average, or you know you're looking at um, goals saved above expected, all all these underlying goalie metrics which you know not everyone uses because most people will just go to nhl.com and go oh look at his goals against oh look at his save percentage um and they'll say yeah you know hank's gotta go i think one of the most interesting things about the um how the rangers play in front of Lundquist, where i haven't updated um the chart in about uh two games but but by and large they're um, like Corsi four percentage is something like 43% where with Gorgiev it's about 47 and with uh, Shishyarkin it's, it's about 50. So not only has Lundqvist played very well for an older goaltender, but he's not had a lot of support in front of him. He's cleaning up a lot of, of messes and it's, I just have this sense that he can change a lot with if he plays more uh, down the stretch because I think some people need to be reminded this guy's still very good. He's not what he was in his prime by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it's not like, you know, he's uh, a liability out there. But he's functionally the backup at this point, right? Well, not functionally, but... I mean, the way that it's been is... Prior to um, uh, Shishorkin getting in a in a, a car accident, he Hank was effectively their number three, which mm. is which is very strange. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> okay, um, so if you were going to cross over to the dark side and you were going to tell Elaine Vigneault the <laughs> the biggest weakness that the Rangers have that the Flyers should try to exploit in order to win these two games, what would you say that is? I mean, I would say that the biggest weakness that the Rangers have right now is on the uh, the left side of their defense. Um, with the Shea trade, it means more minutes for Mark Stahl, who is abjectly terrible. Um, he's someone that they probably should have bought out instead instead of Kevin Shattenkirk last summer. Um, that would, I would say their biggest weakness It's to the point where they have Brendan Smith, who they signed to, you know, a big deal, you know, a couple of years ago where they were using him at forward to start the season. Uh, now he's back on defense. Um, and then I would also say just their their bottom six in terms of forwards. It's uh, this team is very top heavy in the sense of a lot of the possession, a lot of the scoring chances is coming up um, from the Rangers' top six. And even I'm being generous there because it's their top line normally of Buchnevich, uh, Zabanajad, and Kreider has has been great. Um, but their second line is it's pretty much just Artemi Panarin dragging around Ryan Strom and, and Jesper Faust. So uh, <laughs> it's a situation where 
when they're playing in, in, in Philadelphia where Philadelphia has last change. Anytime Mark Stahl is on the ice, anytime uh, you know, Brett Howden is out on the ice, you want to, you know, make sure, you know, Claude Giroux's out there, you know, maybe even want Kevin Hayes out there, just you're you're gonna uh, exploit that that weakness pretty hard. So I'm glad that you mentioned Panarin is dragging around two anchors on that second line because um, he's obviously been outstanding. Um, and so I was just kind of like when I was looking, kind of thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe he's getting a lot of his points on the power play, but no, most of his points seem to be coming at even strength. Um, is he just that good? Like, is there something going on with him this season, like something that you see in his game that is contributing to this, or is this just Artemi Panarin being Artemi Panarin? I've had, um, I've really been blown away and it's, it's, it's funny because it's almost like every week on our regular podcast, it's, we find, um, you know, we run out of way of ways to describe how awesome he's been. And I, I really think that if the Rangers do, are able to squeak into a playoff spot, then by far and away he he should win the Hart Trophy. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's got 65 points at even strength, which is the most in the league. Um, he's a big part of the reason why he is so successful is that I hate using this phrase because I I think it's you know cliche and it does it doesn't mean what most people think. But he plays a full 200 foot game where he is tenacious on every puck. Um, last weekend he had this play um, breaking up a um a a play behind the San Jose Shark net. They were looking to make an outlet pass. He gets the stick in. The puck goes right across the goal crease to Zibanejad. An easy tap in. Um, there's been cases where the Rangers have lost the puck in their own zone. A rush goes up the ice. And even though he's one of the the last men to leave his zone, he's able to catch up to people and, and break up chances. Uh, the easy, the best way I can describe uh, Panarin this year is what it was like for me back in 05-06 watching Yaramir Yager. It's just mm. so tremendous and it's it's just unbelievable. I had a I had an idea of who Panarin was just by watching him, you know, in Columbus and in Chicago, but this is a completely different level which is even more impressive when you he's not playing with someone like Zibanejad or Kreider. He's playing with Ryan Strom and, and Jesper Fast. So besides Artemi Panarin and that Zibanejad line um, that you say has been carrying the team through this winning stretch, what would you say is the biggest threat that the Flyers need to be on the lookout for in these games? I would say on defense, one of the biggest threats is uh, Adam Fox. Uh, He's been the Rangers' best defender this year, which I don't think anyone would have expected considering the the trade and signing they made for Jacob Truba uh, in the offseason. Fox was acquired from Carolina and people didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't know what he was going to be capable of. He was someone who hadn't had any um, AHL experience, any NHL experience. And it was very much a let's just kind of see what what this kid is capable of. And 
He's been getting an increase in minutes throughout the season, and now he's starting to kill penalties now that um, you know Brady Shea is out of the picture. And he's not the, uh, the greatest skater, but he's so smart in his own zone in the sense of he's aware of where he's standing. He's aware of people around him, very active stick. Uh, it's almost like this, this sense of, okay, where the play is going to be, and instead of reacting to what happens, he's he's proactive in doing it. Uh, in addition to that, when he does have the puck on his stick in his own zone, he's able to make these little moves where most times, you know, you've ever been to a game, people are like, oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. He just <laughs> sort of ho- holds it. He'll, um, you know, shuffle around and wait till he finds the space uh, and, you know, just get the puck to someone uh you know, in in a scoring position, and I would say him. Uh, and then you could say the same in terms of you know offensive ability with uh, Tony D'Angelo, who's having you know a career year with you know 46 points and counting. Um, you know, defensively in his own end, he he's still uh, a work in progress. Although I don't think he'll ever get to a point where you're gonna want to lean on him in defensive situations. But explosive skater. A great passer, and when he does get open, you know, uh, a pretty great shot. Kind of on that same line, um, are there any players that we might not know about that might not be on our radar, some of the lesser-known guys that you think could have an impact on this game? I would say Philip Heedle. Um, He was one of the Rangers' uh, first-round draft picks back in uh, 2017. Uh Leah Sanderson was their first pick at seven overall, and Heedle was their their second at uh you know 21 overall. Uh, he's had a quietly a, a very good season. He surprisingly started the year in Hartford. Uh, he he tore it up down there, and he was recalled when uh, Zibanejad went down, and he's been on the roster ever since. Uh, you know, 20 years old. He's having you know a pretty decent season. You know, 22 points. Uh, he's playing around you know 15 minutes a game but uh he's been showing signs of what's to come you know as a as an offensive player and i think uh it'll be interesting to see um what the lines look like for uh, the game against philadelphia he's been shifted to the wing as of late while you know buchnevich has, has remained out of the lineup but um as a center just really smart He's got great hands, and he's someone that I don't, I don't think many people know about. Yeah, he's a big boy, too. 6'2", 206, according yeah. to the official numbers. That's a, a big kid. <laughs> Is he primarily playing on the fourth line or on the third line? So they've been using him as the third line center, um, you know, to the chagrin of many, where he... He's pretty much ready to be a number two center, mm-hmm. and I would just love to see him with with Panarin. I think that would be an amazing matchup, and it's hum- something I hope we see a little bit uh, down the stretch. Okay. Anything about the Flyers you're looking forward to in these next two games? Um, I mean, I'm I'm been interested in uh, Kevin Hayes. I mean, I I know the reaction mm-hmm. that. Uh, everyone had when he signed that deal and I was someone who I really wanted the Rangers to keep him because Hayes is someone I felt didn't get the appreciation he deserved because 
he was a monster five on five, especially when it came to primary points. Uh, he wasn't someone that was picking up like a lot of cheap assists. He was either scoring the goal or, you know, being setting up the goal. Um, and it's interesting that he actually signed with Philadelphia because I didn't see that coming because of Elaine Vigneault um, based on their time in New York where uh, Vigneault tried to sort of pigeonhole Hayes into this, you know, shut down center role, which sort of, um, you know, neutered him offensively. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in, in, in Hayes. Um, I would say interested in, you know, Shane Gostaspear. I know like, uh, there's been a lot of like, I don't know if it's just by, based on the Flyers fans I follows, but like, uh, you know, sort of like hot and cold with how he's playing. Um, but he's someone that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, is a pretty good defenseman. Yeah, he's been out of the lineup. Um, but from what I gather is almost ready to be put back in physically. He um, hurt his knee, but I'm a. Uh... It's going to be interesting to, interesting to see what the Flyers do with him, given that they've been winning. Um, you know how coaches don't like to make changes when teams are winning. So I'm not. Sh- I'm wondering if he's going to get right back in or if they're going to just sit him as a healthy scratch for a little while. I'm not really sure how that's going to go. But um, Kevin Hayes has been um, – I'm not sure I can remember the last time a player did this – big of a 180 with the Flyers fan base because a lot of people were super pissy about that signing. Um, obviously, the Flyers fans wanted one of the big prizes this offseason, like Panarin or something, but mm-hmm. um, ended up with Hayes, and people were pissed, A, that it was Kevin Hayes, and B, they thought that the money and the term was too much. Um, and at this point, he has become something like a folk hero in Philadelphia. Like People are obsessed with him. He's actually, today we learned a local brewery is naming a beer after him. Like, it's just like, (laughs) it's like this Kevin Hayes love fest that I did not see coming, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, So hopefully he gives you guys a little bit of a show. Oh, I imagine that he's going to, because (laughs) it's just the nature of the Rangers that anyone that used to play for them or like anyone they've, you know, gotten rid of early, they just you know, they have this sense of, you know what, I'm going to, you know, show them that they, they made the wrong decision. Mm. Hockey players do love to do that. They're spiteful that way. Oh, 100%. <laughs> okay, my final question for you is to give me a shot-in-the-dark prediction. Usually I ask for final scores, but since we're talking about two games, I won't make you nail it down that hard. Just give me a win and a loss prediction for how this series is going to go. So the way I see this, just because of how the Rangers are when it comes to games, is they need to win. Uh, and, and at this point of the year, they really need to win games in regulation and not give away free points. Um, I could see both of these games being situations where either they have a lead and they give it away going to overtime, or they are trailing, they tie it late and then lose in overtime. So I would, I would say I'm predicting an overtime win by the Rangers and an overtime loss by the Rangers. And it feels like a solid prediction because it seems to be some kind of unwritten rule that every metropolitan division game this season has to be a three point game. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, against the Islanders the other night, they give up two goals in the last five minutes, and uh, they you know score less than a minute in uh, to the overtime. But yeah, it's just you gotta take care of the important games. It's mm-hmm. sort of going back to what you mentioned earlier. They were beating up on weaker competition, but you get to a point where you have a two goal lead with five minutes left. You gotta lock that stuff down. You really do, and it's it, these Metro games are just for every team except for the caps at this point are just so important because I, the, the insanity of how tight this race is, it's going to make all of us insane until the 82nd game, I think. Uh, yeah. So, but I am people who listen to our regular podcast will know that I am absurdly positive about this team right now. So I'm predicting two flyers wins in I regulation. Hopefully I'm not jinxing, but that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm hoping for. So we'll see what happens. All right, Tom, thank you so much for doing this. This was great. Yeah. My pleasure to, to, you know, to join you. Yeah. And again, you can find Tom at blue shirt banter, which is the Rangers blog on the SB nation network. You can head over, over there. I headed over there today to learn a little bit about the Rangers. There's some good stuff there, Tom. I hope you enjoy the games this weekend. I hope tonight's game against Montreal is a good one for you. Thank you. All right. Everyone enjoy the game. Go Flyers.